Hello, everyone. Welcome back to our second episode of the Black History Month podcast series. I am Lucia Kula, the Black Student Support Coordinator for SOAS. You've had a chance to uh, hear about myself on the last podcast. Today, we have another amazing academic with us, Dr. Ida, who is a senior lecturer in Swahili at SOAS. And we have another great student, Mumtaz Musa, who will be interviewing her on her journey at SOAS and a journey to become an academic so hi um my name is Mantaz and I'm studying politics and international relations at SOAS and the first question I have for Dr Ida is could you tell us a bit about yourself and your background please oh hi Mumtaz nice to meet you um, nice to meet you <laughs> and welcome to SOAS so my name is Ida Hajivayanis and um I'm I'm, I'm African I am I was born in Tanzania and I've also lived in various African countries, uh, including Guinea, Sudan, Lesotho, South Africa, etc. I am married here and I have four children. I did my PhD at SOAS and uh, I now work as a Swahili lecturer at SOAS as well. And uh, yeah, that, that's, that's it about me, I think. Amazing. What an interesting background. Mumta, you just mentioned that you are doing politics and international relations. Can you tell us a bit more about yourself? Um, so I'm studying politics and international relations at SOAS and I'm in my first year and the reason why I wanted to study politics and international relations is mainly because I like learning about differences in society because I'm from Somaliland but I was born and raised here in London obviously so it's like my whole life has been about identifying differences within culture and like the society back home and here with studying politics and international relations I'd be able to put that on a greater like scale because I'd be able to see how politics differs in different societies and how so it makes it interesting for me to actually put that on paper and be able to learn more about it. Interesting thank you so much Hunters. So my next question for Ida is what has drawn you to your academia and your particular area of research? Thank you very much. First of all, let me just quickly talk about what you just said. So you were born here and your parents came from Somaliland. Um, yeah. So I'm, I am a bit like your parents because I moved here and my kids were, were born here. So I can sort of like okay relate to, to, to how, you, how, how you are in England through how my children perceive and, and, and live in England. Back to your <laughs> question. My parents actually drew me into academ academia. My father was a university professor. He lectured in um, anthropology and uh, my mother was a biology teacher. She later joined the humanitarian organization uh, in the, the UN, and this is how we were able to live in, in various countries through her. And so through both of them, I was able to see how language and it's like a deep understanding of, of cultures works and enables different people to be successful in, in what they're doing. And this is why I went into, into, into academia. Of course, also, I enjoy teaching very much and I'm very passionate about Swahili, the language, the culture, the translation. And also academia gives you some freedom, which I'm finally getting now. But yeah, that's what drew me to academia. So I have um, another question as well. So it says here that you studied translation as well. Yeah. What drew you to translation, especially like because your mum is a biology teacher? What made you want to study languages? And so I... Okay, Tanzania was was a British colony. So we, but then we have a national language, which is Swahili. And Swahili is our identity. 
So we're very much the Swahili. Like you speak Swahili, you're, you're, you're Swahili. And English was not my second language, even though that was the language of the colony, of, of, of the, the language of, of our, of our colonizer. French was my second language because I, I moved to France when I was my preteen. And then English was my third language. So from when I was very young, I was able to see how different societies, different cultures behave very differently through their language and different societies have a different perception of how everything is through their language. If, if that makes sense. And that's why yeah. I, I enjoy translation. You, you are able to see the, the, like various lenses of the same thing. That is very interesting. Thank you. Is there something you can relate to, Mumtaz, being from Somaliland and your parents coming to the UK? They probably have preserved some of that language. Um, is there something you can relate to trying to navigate your own background and being born and raised in the UK? Yeah, um, especially because um, I grew up teaching my mom English. So I kind of missed out on learning Somali as like a young child. But I've picked up on it more now that I'm older. And it's just like, especially because the way the language is and like the structure of the language and stuff is completely different to English. So like if I were to translate it, it wouldn't be as like, it wouldn't make as much sense. And the culture as well, like is completely different. So over there, like it's more like family oriented and the more traditional and like conservative approaches whereas over here like it's completely modernized and like secular as well because religion plays a big part in Somali culture. My next my next question for um, Ida is what are some of the challenges you face as a black scholar in your area of research? So um, I think I'm probably twice challenged because I'm a, a black woman scholar and um so initially, for, for a very, very long time, I have to say, I found that there was absolutely no progression at all in, in my career. I worked at SOAS for many, many years after my PhD as a teaching fellow and a senior lector. And you're paid a fraction of, of what the job entails, uh, largely. Interestingly, it was only when Baroness Amos became our director that she sort of like made a new pathway for sort of like um, those who are in academia who are sort of like stuck to have okay progression. And that's how I I, I was able to be promoted. But um, for, for a long time, I feel I was very invisible. And I know this is a case that's going on now at SOAS where there are many I mean, colleagues of mine who are fractionals and there's no progression at all. And um, so you have a huge teaching load. You have, you're, you're stuck almost, yeah. I applied for permanency, I remember, twice. And both times positions were given to male colleagues, even though we were doing the same job. And then three years down the line, those male colleagues sort of like left and I had the positions. But it's like you're invisible throughout if, if that makes sense, until later on, you, you, you suddenly become okay visible, I find, like quite recently, let me say. That's a very interesting experience, especially at an institution like SOAS. What made you continue to fight and stay at SOAS, even with that experience, even with being overlooked when you're putting in the work? What made you uh, continue to say, I'm going to stay at this institution and hopefully it will change with me? I'll tell you what, I think SOAS is very lucky in that Somehow when you join SOAS, everybody fits in. You, you find that you fit in, um, because there's, we are so diverse. So 
even though like with your with your for instance with your employment you are not really sort of your your worth is not seen but because you you are almost attached to the institution it's like it's your other family you stay on and you you say you know if if things can't change at source if i'm here i'm i'm teaching a language that is a pan african language if i can't be appreciated here then where am i going to go you know it's 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 very much like things have to change where i am and i think this is what really helped i i knew that soas was the place where the change had to happen that's really interesting thank you for that ida muntas why did you choose soas you study politics and international relation i think this is one of those degrees that you can study in many other universities why did you specifically choose to come to soas so i did a summer school when i was in year 12 and 6 form and with the widen opportunities team they organized it and that really made me want to study politics and international relations as a whole and then um i went to like lots of other uni open days i went to other summer schools as well and i ultimately chose to come to soas because of the like how ida said i like fitted in and it was such a nice feeling being able to being able to like walk around the corridors and stuff feeling like i belonged somewhere especially like as a black person coming from a very diverse area in London and then all the other universities that I went to were mainly filled with like people that I wouldn't really see on a day to day but when I came to Soas I felt like I was still at home like in my area of London and everything and as well the actual course in itself is completely different to how other universities do it so Soas focuses more on a decolonized approach to it whereas like other universities are more whitewashed and you're learning about European politics and American politics again and again and again but at Soas like we're learning more about um like Africa and the Middle East and Asia South Asia and stuff like that and it's like you wouldn't really find opportunities to study things like that at any other university if it's not so hard. thank you that's that's really important that feeling of belonging is i think one of those feeling that really makes the soas community unique thank you what's your next question so as you said you faced a lot of challenges but they also come with success so what has been the most pivotal moment in your career so i'll tell you what okay this year we had the transformation and and change um happening at soas and i think as other colleagues who are around will tell you it, it's been a very tense summer But um at the end of it I I I was made co-head of of the Africa department uh, together with uh, Professor Lutz Martin and uh, he is also very passionate about Africa he he supported me throughout my my, my career so so I think being made that really sort of like was pivotal for me it was I felt like I had come from really far to be here now. We have so many plans of what we want to do in in the Africa section, how we want to run it, how we want to do it, which is which is really uh, amazing. And also this year we've started, I mean we're about to start okay, okay Lucia you'll be hopefully you'll be involved with us. We want to have these drop-in sessions for black Af- asian minority ethnic students now in our school the school of languages cultures and, and linguistics where they can come and we can sort of like uh, network support each other be there for each other and this will be the first time where our small part of the soas community sort of like takes um how to say like okay takes um uh, an, an, an active role in supporting our students to not 
drop out, to, to stay on and to support each other. So this, these two things have made me really, really uh, quite um, happy. And also I've made so many friends at SOAS, friends that I'll probably keep for many, many years to come, which has been amazing okay for me. Thank you, Ida. Yes, I think it's really important. So I've I've had a few other departments as well reach out that they're starting a dedicated support service for students of color. And it's a pivotal interest, but also it's it's such a interesting approach in at SOAS that we're having this dedicated support for particular students. It's not to say that other students are not important, but we know that some students, when they do come to SOAS, that feeling of belonging and that feeling that someone is actually there to support you is extremely important to make sure that they stay on and continue with their study. So dedicated support for students in different departments, including in yours, is, is such an amazing uh, initiative. So thank Thank you for starting that. I hope we'll be able to, to okay, retain more students this way, you know. Definitely. That's, that's, that's the main thing, yeah. Go ahead, Muntas. So like you said, you're very involved in students and obviously being their support and everything. How else have you incorporated other successes in your teaching? So, I mean, this is one thing I'm, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm very proud of, proud of. But so also I teach, um, a course which is translating English into Swahili and Swahili into English. And a few years ago, we translated in, in class, you know, Alice in Wonderland, the short story. And, um, so a translation of Alice in Wonderland was made many, many years ago in, uh, East Africa, in Tanzania in 1940. And in this translation, Alice is, is turned into this, little African girl and so she she, she dresses as a, as a Swahili girl she's a very different sort of like person and this was done because the feeling that the translator had was that Alice had to be African for the Africans to really appreciate her so in my class we retranslated like two pages of it and right away I, I saw how, how how I felt how how different that was I mean an East African girl would appreciate very much an Oxford Alice. That, I mean, that, that's for sure. So I retranslated uh, the, the book myself, and it's it's published, and I use it in my teaching now. This is one of the one of the successes I have that makes me really happy. I have to say. Thank you very much. Um, I understand it probably is such a nice feeling to be able to like showcase and like teach your own books and stuff in your class. Yeah. Um, so what else would you like students to take away from the teaching and mentorship? So I think my, my, I mean, I have, I've, 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 I was a student at SOAS for, I joined SOAS in 2003. So I've, uh, to do my PhD and I've stayed on until now. So I've, I've been there for, for quite a long time. And, uh, so for me as, as, as somebody who works with language, I want them to understand that a language opens doors to a new world to to a new culture they will be able to have a completely different mindset about the world of the world through uh sort of like okay, learning it with me or, or working working with me and um also we have like students for example who, who are doing okay, de- development studies and international relations uh politics but then when they come and they have a language especially of east africa like you have okay okay somali mumters uh okay somali language you are able to take what you've learned in your international relations or in development studies and to work in the region where you have inside knowledge or inside understanding of the people that you're working with. I think that's something that is extremely powerful to have. Thank so I think you that's very it. Much. Yeah. I think learning at SOAS 
would make them unique individuals in in the world yeah i agree as well so my next question is how would you encourage black students to pursue an academic career Okay, so now I think I am. Uh, my, okay, my age will, will okay will probably show through this. So I I grew up uh, in in East Africa in Tanzania, and we were always told, you know, like education is the key to life. I I know it sounds like a mantra, and you've heard it a million times, but I I really think it's true. They they need to persevere. They need to stay on. We tend to have so many like okay so much sort of like um. So, um, okay, blocking us. Like, for example, I think you mentioned, like, we have our parents that we have to look after, family. We have, we have a lot of, of responsibilities other than, uh, okay, okay, the school that, that we have. But I think the main thing I would tell them is they really, really must persevere. And, and in the end, you, you, you get there, you know? I, I think we all know this, like, um, okay, more black students enter into, into, into higher education than stay on. And, and also like more, more of them would tend to live with a lower classification because of all this extra sort of like th- th- that we have. So I think maybe trying to access or to access all these sort of like resources, like for example, what, what Lucia is now doing at SOAS, what we're all trying to do, trying to access all, all the support that they can get so that they can stay on in education will be the best thing. I think I would, I would say that, yeah, like to try and, and stay on, to, to keep staying until the end. Thank you, Ida. That's that's a really interesting approach. And I think that's an important objective when we have students who come in as well as from different backgrounds and different experiences. We all have to chip in to make sure that we give students the best university experience that they can have. With that said, Mumtaz, you mentioned why you came to SOAS, but I would also like to hear what are your expectations coming to SOAS? What are some of the things that you would like to see in, for example, mentorship or in your teaching? What are some of the things that you're excited about being at SOAS? So one thing that I'm excited for um, in terms of like mentorship and teaching is to be able to pass on the experiences I had, especially like, for example, in my summer school to other prospective students. Um, especially because the widening participation team really helped me in terms of securing my place at the institution and everything coming from a more disadvantaged background. So I feel like with me being able to come here and actually study here and everything is something that a lot of students don't really see themselves doing without the right support. So I'd like to give back the support that I've had, if that makes sense. Definitely, it does, because the support really needs to start before students get onto university. And that's such an important aspect of that. When we have students coming from different backgrounds, sometimes disadvantaged backgrounds, they don't necessarily get that support elsewhere. So initiatives like those from the widening participation team who organize the summer school are meant to showcase students what the opportunities are uh, for them at SOAS or even at other universities. So it's, it's a way to show you that there are possibilities beyond your your expectations so there are more there's more to there's more to dream about than what you think is possible so that's really important so thank you yeah thank you so my next question for Ida is reflecting on your other experiences in other institutions such as um, the University of Lesotho and Middlesex Uni. Why did you end up choosing SOAS to do your PhD studies? Because I know you've already spoken about like how you felt like you fitted in and belonged here, but why else like in terms of academia? 
So this was the place where I, so I remember like I, 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 when I was doing my master's at Middlesex and I came to SOAS and I met, um, um, he, he's now retired. His name is Dr. Farouk Topan and he's, coincidentally, he's from Zanzibar and I'm originally from Zanzibar as well. And he was the only person who could actually sort of like, um, look, supervise my work and, and work with me. And he understood the language, the culture, everything I wanted to do. He understood it. And the only place I could really do this was SOAS because he was there. And I came into SOAS and I think you've talked about this, uh, Mumtaz as well. It's like you arrive at SOAS, you see people who look like you, people who sound like you. It's so diverse and, and you feel like, okay, this is it. I'm, I'm not going to, to go anywhere. So it was very much soft. SOAS was the place where my speciality could, could turn into an expertise. And also where there were academics who could, who could, who could, who could, who could support me in that because it was so specific what I wanted to do. I don't think you, you get a, a degree in, for example, um, the, the, the kind that we offer anywhere, really. Like even in the UK, you, you have centers, for example, like language centers at universities, but not where you, you can study something as part of your language, part of your, sorry, of your degree. It's just at source, really. Thank you. And obviously you've stayed here since 2003. So that's been about nearly 20 years now. Oh my God, yeah. Yeah. So um, would you ever consider leaving SOAS or do you think SOAS is where you're going to stay like until you finish with like academia and stuff? I, I think I really want to stay at, at, at SOAS. Um, I mean, I think this summer where we, we went through so much has really made me see that this is where I really want to stay. I've, I've had opportunities where... I could apply for jobs in France or in Germany and, and, and do similar work. But I feel I, I want to stay at SOAS. I really love SOAS very much and, and I'll definitely stay here. This is where I see myself. This is where I see myself um, getting old. And I think it's so important to see that people have this education and love for SOAS, even with the trials and difficulties that we've experienced, such as the one we experienced during the summer with the transformation and change, you'll have the hope that the, there's something better ahead and you want to be able to be there to contribute to that change. So that's extremely important. So for someone who has, uh, who is now doing an undergrad, Muntaz, you're doing politics and international relations. So you're going to be at SOAS for at least uh, three years. Would you consider um, coming back if you would ever consider doing a career in academia? Would you consider doing a master's or a PhD at SOAS? I think so, because like I do want to do a master's, but I'm not sure what yet I want to study. So um, SOAS is definitely some place where I'd love to come back to but I'm not 100% sure what I'd like to study my master's and stuff, so it honestly depends. So my last question is, as Sirasians, what should we take from Black History Month at Soa? So tell you what, I think I'm probably going to repeat myself, but we are so diverse. And uh, when we are on campus, the atmosphere is just amazing. I feel it's like Black History Month every month at SOAS. And uh, we, have, we, have, we have all these sort of like scholars that we see on the walls as you go up the stairs, like in the main building. And so many of them are, are black people who have achieved so much. It's like we're inspired every every day as you, as you walk up to your classes, you see all these people who look like you and who, who've done what you want to do as well. And um, so then I think what we must take from Black History Month is that we must appreciate our worth 
you know we we are valuable and we, we we just believe in ourselves i think and um and now as we see history like we are we are more visible we are we're we doing more but we just have to keep on believing in that and and that's it i think um keep having our black history month every month it's us Thank you, Ida. What would you take away from Black History Month, Mumtaz? You just you're just a new student at SOAS, but I'm sure you're familiar with Black History Month in the UK as well. What would you like us to take away from Black History Month? What are some of the important things that you us to reflect on? I think, especially one thing that I'd really like to take away from it is the diversity in Black culture as well. Like, because Black History Month as a whole is so vast in terms of the different cultures and the different types of black people you're meeting and you're learning about um, historically and in present and it's the fact that as black people as well like because we're black that's one thing that brings us together but there's there's also so many differences in culture religion the way we live in society things like that and it's like it's very interesting to learn about and I feel like especially because I'm coming to SOAS in such a diverse um, university as Ida already said I feel like it's something that you see every single day, like it doesn't have to be just in October. It's actually every single day that you're here, you see differences. And that's one thing that I really appreciate coming to SOAS as a Asian. Thank you. That's amazing. And I couldn't agree more. I think it's so important for us to realize that Black History Month or Black History is every month. is something that we are confronted with and that we experience every single day of our lives. We experience Blackness every day. So it's not something that you just switch on in October. But it's good to have a moment where we can dedicate and highlight some of our accomplishments, but also a moment where we can take the time to talk about some of the important and crucial issues that we're talking about in society now, whether it is on uh, Black Lives Matter or COVID-19 and all the other issues that we're facing currently. It's important to understand how these issues affect different people in different ways. So Black History Month is also an opportunity to do that. And of course, it's an opportunity for us to highlight some of the amazing Black colleagues and students that are at SOAS who contribute to that SOAS community that people People love and that people are drawn to. So for that, I really love to thank Mumtaz and Ida for joining us today on the podcast. It was an interesting and super uh, enjoyable conversation. And I'm really um, looking forward to see what you both contribute to the SOAS community in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Mumtaz, and thank you, Lucia.